welcome to Come Follow Me with Bree, episode 102, A Broken Heart and Contrite Spirit. Hello, I'm so glad you're here. This week we are studying Psalms 49 through 51, 61 through 66, 69 through 72, 77 through 78, and 85 through 86. So we're still in Psalms and we'll be in Psalms next week as well. Last week we talked about how Psalms, you can think of them, and they actually are, a collection of ancient hymns. So think of them as if you are reading the hymn book. Last week, we talked about a chapter where David had great confidence in the Lord. He was feeling peaceful and happy. And we talked about how in these Psalms, David wrote about half of them. There is a wide range of all of the writers of emotion. This week, I want to talk about chapter 51. Chapter 51 has a very different emotion than what we talked about last week. It is the chapter that David wrote after his the incident, the series of events with Bathsheba, where he saw Bathsheba bathing on the roof and he had her come to him and they committed adultery. And then David decides to have her husband killed. And he succeeds in that, unfortunately. So this psalm was written after the prophet Nathan came to David and called him out on what he did, and David is feeling very repentant. Now, I'm not going to talk about this quite in the same way that we dove into last week. Last week, we focused on asking questions, and you can do the same with the verses that we're going to read this week. You can take each verse, verse by verse, and ask questions. You could probably get five or six questions, and and I'm sure smarter people than me could get even more out of each verse. And you for sure, if you ask a question, you can create another question out of your question. So keep that in mind as we are reading this, that you can go and study this on your own and ask questions and just see where that leads you in the Bible dictionary and topical guide and general conference talks and the church website. There's so much that you can get as you ask questions about these verses, but we're going to talk about them a little bit more broadly this time. So starting in verse eight, David says, make me hear joy and gladness. The bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God. Thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall shew forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else I would give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Okay, so there's a lot of emotions here. It's not just sadness and guilt, but he's also just like last week. Remember when he said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And that statement holds such confidence, even though David is in this really hard moment that he created himself, he still has confidence in the Lord. He says, make me to hear joy and gladness. He knows that the Lord can do that. 
that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. He wouldn't say that unless he had a testimony that that was true, that the Lord could do that for him. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Why would you say that unless you believed that it was true? He knew that the promises of the Lord would be fulfilled, even for him, even in his darkest moment. How does he, how do you gain that confidence? In Mosiah chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, it says, And now it came to pass that when King Benjamin had made an end of speaking the words which had been delivered unto him by the angel of the Lord, that he cast his eyes round about on the multitude, and behold, they had fallen to the earth, for the fear of the Lord had come upon them. And they had viewed themselves in their own carnal state, even less than the dust of the earth. And they all cried aloud with one voice, saying, Oh, have mercy and apply the atoning blood of Christ that we may receive forgiveness of our sins and our hearts may be purified. For we believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who created heaven and earth and all things, who shall come down among the children of men. And it came to pass after they had spoken these words, the Spirit of the Lord came upon them and they were filled with joy, having received a remission of their sins, having peace of conscience because of their exceeding faith, which they had in Jesus Christ who should come according to the words which King Benjamin had spoken unto them. How can we gain this confidence that David seems to have, that his sins can be forgiven? Faith in Jesus Christ. The first step to believing that the atonement is real for you is figuring out how to gain and strengthen your testimony in Jesus Christ. King Benjamin's people received a remission of their sins and a peace of conscience because of the exceeding faith which they had in Jesus Christ. What David did here was pretty bad, really bad. He committed murder and adultery, both extremely serious. So with these serious sins that David has committed, he still has confidence that he can be forgiven because of Jesus Christ. If David can have confidence, With this serious of a sin, can you have confidence? Truman G. Madsen said, If there are some of you who have been tricked into the conviction that you have gone too far, that you have had the poison of sin which makes it impossible ever again to be what you could have been, then hear me. I bear testimony that you cannot sink farther than the light and sweeping intelligence of Jesus Christ can reach. I bear testimony that as long as there is one spark of will to repent and to reach, He is there. He did not just descend into your condition, He descended below it, that He might be in all and through all things, the light of truth. So what does the Lord require for us to be forgiven in a way that we can have that confidence, that no matter what we did, we can be forgiven? He requires a broken heart and contrite spirit, as David said. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken heart, a broken and a contrite heart, O God. Thou wilt not despise. I love the point that David's making here. That without a broken heart and a contrite spirit, because this was still during the law of Moses, that sacrifice meant nothing. His burnt offerings meant nothing. 
because he knew that the Lord first wanted his heart. And without David's heart, his sacrifices meant nothing. Do we ever fall into that trap, thinking that we can just sacrifice and keep doing good, but not fully give our hearts over to the Lord and be willing to repent for what we've done? The Lord first wants our broken heart and contrite spirit. This, of course, is a phrase that we're pretty familiar with. We have lots of scriptures in the Book of Mormon about a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Let's read some of them. Second Nephi chapter 2, verse 7. Behold, he offereth himself a sacrifice for sin to answer the ends of the law unto all those who have a broken heart and a contrite spirit, and unto none else can the ends of the law be answered. Second Nephi chapter 4, verse 32. May the gates of hell be shut continually before me, because that my heart is broken and my spirit is contrite. Third Nephi, this is the Savior speaking, Third Nephi chapter 9, verses 19 through 20. And ye shall offer up unto me no more shedding of blood, yea, your sacrifices and your burnt offerings shall be done away, for I will accept none of your sacrifices or your burnt offerings. And ye shall offer for a sacrifice unto me a broken heart and a contrite spirit, And whoso cometh unto me with a broken heart and a contrite spirit, him will I baptize with fire and with the Holy Ghost. 3 Nephi chapter 12 verse 19 And behold, I have given you the law and the commandments of my Father, that ye shall believe in me, that ye shall repent of your sins, and come unto me with a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Behold, ye have the commandments before you, and the law is fulfilled. So what is a broken heart and a contrite spirit? Elder Bruce D. Porter said, What are a broken heart and a contrite spirit? And why are they considered a sacrifice? As in all things, the Savior's life offers us a perfect example. Though Jesus of Nazareth was utterly without sin, he walked through life with a broken heart and a contrite spirit, as manifested by his submission to the will of the Father. For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. To his disciples he said, Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And when the time came to pay the ultimate sacrifice entailed in the atonement, Christ shrank not to partake of the bitter cup, but submitted completely to his Father's will. The Savior's perfect submission to the Eternal Father is the very essence of a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Christ's example teaches us that a broken heart is an eternal attribute of godliness. When our hearts are broken, we are completely open to the Spirit of God and recognize our dependence on Him for all that we have and all that we are. The sacrifice so entailed is a sacrifice of pride in all its forms. Like malleable clay in the hands of a skilled potter, the brokenhearted can be molded and shaped in the hands of the Master. A broken heart and a contrite spirit are also preconditions to repentance. Lehi taught, Wherefore redemption cometh in and through the Holy Messiah. Behold, he offereth himself a sacrifice for sin, to answer the ends of the law, unto all those who have a broken heart and a contrite spirit, and unto none else can the ends of the law be answered. When we sin and desire forgiveness, a broken heart and a contrite spirit mean to experience godly sorrow that worketh repentance. This comes when our desire to be cleansed from sin is so consuming that our hearts ache with sorrow and we yearn to feel at peace with our Father in heaven. Those who have a broken heart and a contrite spirit are willing to do anything and everything that God asks of them, without resistance or resentment. We cease doing things our way, and learn to do them God's way instead. 
In such a condition of submissiveness, the atonement can take effect and true repentance can occur. The penitent will then experience the sanctifying power of the Holy Ghost, which will fill them with peace of conscience and the joy of reconciliation with God. In a wondrous union of divine attributes, the same God who teaches us to walk with a broken heart invites us to rejoice and to be of good cheer. Something I've always struggled with is, is how do I know, and I think, I think many of us struggle with this, how do I know when I've been forgiven? How do I know for sure? Henry B. Eyring said, The peace we all seek is the assurance that we have received forgiveness of our sins of omission or commission. The Savior has been given the right to grant that forgiveness and to give that assurance. I have learned that the Lord gives that assurance at the time He chooses, and He does it in His own way. And I have learned to ask for it in prayer. One way He grants that assurance is through the Holy Ghost. If you have difficulty in feeling the Holy Ghost, you might wisely ponder whether there is anything for which you need to repent and receive forgiveness. If you have felt the influence of the Holy Ghost today, you may take it as evidence that the atonement is working in your life. For that reason and many others, you would do well to put yourself in places and in tasks that invite the promptings of the Holy Ghost. Feeling the influence of the Holy Ghost works both ways. The Holy Ghost only dwells in a clean temple, and the reception of the Holy Ghost cleanses us through the atonement of Jesus Christ. You can pray with faith to know what to do to be cleansed and thus qualified for the companionship of the Holy Ghost and the service of the Lord. And with that companionship, you will be strengthened against temptation and empowered to detect deception. One of my favorite scriptures is in Doctrine and Covenants, section 6, verses 22 through 23. And it's the Lord speaking to Oliver Cowdery. Verily, verily, I say unto you, if you desire a further witness, cast your mind upon the night that you cried unto me in your heart, that you might know concerning the truth of these things. Did I not speak peace to your mind concerning the matter? What greater witness can you have than from God? Sometimes when I, when I still remember my sins and I, I kind of re-wonder if I've really been forgiven for those things, that is the scripture that comes to my mind. Because I can remember times when the Lord has spoken peace to my heart and has told me that I am forgiven. And so when that, when that guilt or, or memory is haunting me, I remember what the Lord says here. Did I not speak peace to your mind concerning the matter? What greater witness can you have than from God? And it reminds me of how I felt in that moment, reminds me that I am forgiven and that I can move on, reminds me that I can trust my Savior, that He has taken it from me, and that I don't need to worry about it any longer, and that that memory that haunts me a little serves as a warning for me in the future so that I can remember, that my spirit can remember to stay away from that. And also sometimes, that that's just Satan trying to get me to doubt the Savior and his power. Tad R. Callister said, Some have asked, but if I am forgiven, why do I still feel guilt? Perhaps in God's mercy, the memory of that guilt is a warning, a spiritual stop sign of sorts, that at least for a time cries out when additional temptations confront us. Don't go down that road. You know the pain it can bring. 
In this sense, it serves as a protection, not a punishment. Is it possible then to remember our sins and still be free of guilt? Alma remembered his sins, even years after he repented. But when he cried unto Jesus for mercy, he said, I could remember the pains no more. Yea, I was harrowed up by the memory of my sins no more. How could he remember his sins but have no pain or guilt? Because when we repent, we are born of God. We become, as the scriptures say, new creatures in Christ. With perfect honesty, we can now say, I am not the man or woman who committed those past sins. I am a new and transformed being. Thank our God that that is true. When we give our heart and our will to the Savior and we repent, we become new beings. We are no longer the people who committed those sins. And I'd like to bear my testimony that Jesus Christ has the power to do that for David and for me and for you. He can make you hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. He can create in you a clean heart and renew a right spirit within you. He will not cast you away from his presence. He will not take the Holy Spirit from you if you're willing to repent. He can restore to you the joy of salvation. If you give him a broken heart and a contrite spirit, you can start again a new creature, one that is not the same as that person who committed those sins. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.